or good evening. I'm Katie Pickler, and this is the Bullcast Podcast. And with me, as always, is my good friend today, and you'll find out about that. Court wins it. Hello, Katie. How are you? <laughs> Court, why can I not see your reflection? <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about vampires today. Are you excited? Okay, we're going to talk about stocks today, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little bit excited about the vampire angle. We're talking. We're going to do a little bit of a deeper dive into into stocks today. Uh, it's been a long time since we touched on it. We are a financial pa- podcast, and uh, somebody asked us the other day about what a blue chip stock was, and we thought it would be a good opportunity for us to sort of just give you a little bit deeper idea of of stocks and what some of the what some of the terms are that are out there. So yes, I said blue chip stock. Yes, technically it might be a jargon violation, but yes, we are going to explain it thoroughly today. But some of the stocks that that we're going to be discussing are known as the fang stocks. Katie. Haha, get it? Fang stocks. That's why we're going to talk about vampires. That's why we're going to talk about (laughs) vampires. So Katie's very excited about the vampires. Yeah. I mean it's going to be awesome. We're actually going to also answer a question I'm sure you've all been wondering. Would you marry Steven Tyler or Fred Rogers? <laughs> I hope this is enough like bait to like sink you in that you really want to stay and figure out what the heck are we talking about? Just just keep in mind, we're talking about stocks today. In, yes. case, in case you really are wondering what the heck we're talking about. We're talking about stocks. We're talking about stocks. <laughs> um, and disclaimer, you know, we are just skimming the surface on this. So we are not, recom- you will not hear us recommending any stocks to buy or not buy on this. It is just more facts about stocks in general and just some good knowledge for you to have. Mm-hmm. Yes. But uh, let's start off with a, a list of a best and worst vampire movies, of course. Of course. Because Katie and horror and horror movies go together like... Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dokie. And I think, you know, Cam, feel free to jump in on this. Uh, I want to say that we do have a list of vampire movies and we're going to kind of go through them. But depending on who you look at... Any of these movies that are on the best list could easily be on the worst list, depending on who you are. So I think as a general, we can just say it really is, um, you know, up to the person on it if it's the best or worst. Yeah, we really, I mean, I tried to think of a way that we could break this out into into a top five for each of us. But the thing is that... Some of my top five best movies might be Katie's top five worst movies. So <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna go through the list and and argue and bicker, bicker and argue. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, I feel like that's the one of the first vampire movies I saw. Okay, and I guess we should give the disclaimer that you're not necessarily listing these in order. No, of no, no. The I quality. just, I, I, you just named a, a movie. Named named a movie. Okay. I just I feel like that is one that when I decided I liked horror movies, my dad was like, "You have to watch this," and it is such a great movie. Um, I think if you haven't seen it, you've got to see this because this is when you think of vampires, you think of Dracula. You've got to see this movie. Hmm. Interesting. Opinion. Opinion. <laughs> Why don't you give us one? Number two, Nosferatu, <laughs> the original vampire movie. It, this is um, this was 1922. So this was the if you've ever seen that black and white image of that thing that looks more like a demon than it does a mm-hmm. person, that's Nosferatu. And um, there was actually a I, I don't remember what the name of the movie was, but there was a there was a movie done 
about the filming of Nosferatu that starred Willem Dafoe, and that was just oh, wow. in the last decade or two that won critical acclaim. I don't, I, I've never seen it, but anyway, yeah, so, it's been dubbed the Godfather of Vampire Cinema. Yeah, if you really are a, if you're a vampire film, if you're a, if you're a vampire fan or a film of vampire film, a fan of vampire films, then you have to watch this one if you haven't already because it is the, it is it is the it's the first. Yep. Now, having said that, the next one, Katie. Oh, yes. Dracula, 1931, Bella Lugosi. A lot of people consider this really that, the first Dracula movie. I mean, it. well, it, I guess it is the first Dracula movie, but, you know, when people think of Dracula, they, th- they think of Bella Lugosi a lot of the time. Yeah, they think of a cape, they think of pale skin, all of that. Obviously, mm-hmm. that one was black and white. Um, okay, you got to throw in Blade, and let's just go ahead and throw in... All of the blades out there. The Blade 2, Blade Trinity, Blade... Was it three? I think there's just three right now. Okay. But, um, and this is... Okay, so a lot of people... This is... Uh, Blade is actually one one of the early Marvel movies. Ah. Um, it is It is a vampire movie. And the opening scene of Blade 1, the first Blade, is just an orgy of violence. It's, it, is, <laughs> it is crazy how ridiculously over-the-top bloody it gets. But it sort of sets the tone for kind of the what the movie is going to feel like. But the movie is based on a comic book character, a Marvel comic book character. So it is one of the hmm. early Marvel movies. Learn something new every day. Okay, I got to jump to one. Um, interview with a Vampire. Uh, you know if you've listened to this podcast, I am obsessed with New Orleans. I love it. And Anne Rice is mm-hmm. an incredible author who has Red. written... So many tons, Yes, so many vampire. Vampireless mm-hmm. Stat is her big story. And so there's been a lot of movies around that. Um, and I'll kind of throw a two for In- Interview with the Vampire is incredible. A young Kirsten Dunst, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, um, just wonderful movie. Um, and then there was a lot of spinoffs from those of some of her other books. Uh, Queen of the Damned, mm-hmm. not a great movie. Um, well, amazing. none of the original, none of the original actors from Interview with the Vampire no. We're in Queen of the Damned. And but Queen of the Damned is a sequel novel to Interview with the Vampire yeah. and Vampire Lestat. So it would have made sense to have all the same actors, but it didn't. Yeah. Well, and that's what, I mean, Queen of the Damned had an incredible soundtrack. And then I think they did the Vampire Lestat uh, was Dracula 2000, where he was the rock star. But that one also was terrible. It, I mean, it's campy. It's one of those, if you are a vampire fan, you'll like it. But uh, Anne Rice movies or as far as her books turning into movies, it definitely was Interview with Vampire. Mm. Well, okay, so there are, there are quite a few others. Here are some that, like, for instance, you have on here uh, Fright Night 2011. I actually remember the original Fright Night from when I was a kid, so we're talking sometime in the 80s probably, uh, and I remember it very fondly. The 2011 version I didn't love so much. Another movie that really sort of drives me crazy is From Dusk Till Dawn. People, I think, either love it or hate it. I actually haven't seen it. I just don't. It's not that I love it or hate it. I just don't get what everybody is so crazy about <laughs> no. about it. I mean, it just, maybe just young George Clooney. I I don't know. It, it I, I I watched it and it was it was a you know it was it was it was there. Well, jumping. I mean. Okay, one movie, I, I consider myself a vampire fan, but I had never seen The Lost Boys, and I heard everyone loved it. I was not a fan. Okay. It's on my worst list. Them's fighting words. Them's <laughs> fighting words. It's just a very nostalgic film. I so mean, if you can't, when did you watch it? Like 
six months ago. Yeah, so oh, yeah. you didn't like grow up with it. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, the, you're you're talking about Corey Ham and Corey Feldman. You're talking about Kiefer Sutherland. I like hear young, about Corey and Topanga. I mean, <laughs> just it's so much. It is so so much. Uh, my youth that you you basically just spit on my youth. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, let me jump back. One of the one of the movies that you had in the best vampire movies is a movie called Shadow of the Vampire, made in 2000. I'm pretty sure that's the one that I was talking about. That is a movie based on the making of oh, Nosferatu gotcha. with with Willem Dafoe. So that answers that question. Yep. Okay, well, here's one for you, Court. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Horrible movie. <laughs> but you love the TV show. I know, I know. And actually, the the movie, I don't think I hated it. I don't really recall how I felt about it. It, it, it had Christy Swanson playing Buffy, and I, I was a kid, and she was cute. So I think I <laughs> was sort of in it for that, if, if nothing else. But um, just it, it, the movie itself just didn't hold up. But it did uh, lead to, of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, which is one of the best things. Oh, the movie of- was first? The movie came first. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. yep. Okay, I haven't seen this one, but I read a lot of stuff about it. Um, Vampire Kiss. It's uh, Nicolas Cage, and it's the Cage Rage, and it's very meme-worthy, and everyone talks about it. Do Mm. you two talk about it? I do not. I have never talked (laughs) about it. Never heard of it. Okay, well, moving on. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. 1948. This is the only time Bela Lugosi ever returned to play Dracula's role in his second film after 1931, Dracula. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. interesting fact. Now you skipped over one, so let's let's talk about the let the right one in. This movie was a Swedish movie, Swedish language, so it's subtitled. It's probably it, why I haven't seen it. It I is I hate reading movies. So good, but it is so creepy. I mean it it first of all, I think their sensibilities in Sweden are a little bit different, and so there are some 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 bits that kind of gave me the 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 Wiggins a little bit. Um, <laughs> the Wiggins, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's just it really is a good movie. But you know, just remember, it's 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 made in Sweden, so it's you know it's got a whole foreign film feel to it. But it's awesome. Uh, okay, let's kind of get into some more worse ones over here. Uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Now, see, I loved that book. I thought the book was fantastic. But I mean, it's just kind of hard. Like, Abraham Lincoln's now a vampire hunter. Okay, cool. It came out around the same time as the craze over um, Sense and Sensibility and Zombies and oh, books like that. Where we're taking that were, history yeah, taking and merging, yeah. taking classical fiction or, or historical figures and putting them in some really extraordinary circumstances. And so I loved the book. Uh, it was especially, especially because it was a young Abraham Lincoln um, but obviously, that didn't translate well into a film. That's some pretty cool action scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Vampire Academy. It's kind of like Mean Girls, but vampires. Never even heard of it. Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Now, see, amazing how can this be on this <laughs> the worst. So list? it's 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 again. That's where the campy. That's where the line is because I think it's campy and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely is in the worst of your doing true portrayal of a vampire. But really, I mean. Hollywood has just created our perception of vampires, so we're not going to get into that, though. I mean, along the same lines as that is a movie that I remember, vividly remember from my childhood, that is is a, sort of a goof on vampires. And so there's some silly bits to it called Love at First Bite. And I very, very distinctly remember seeing this movie in theaters mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And But it's it's been a, it's been a long that time ago. That keeps popping up as a suggestion on my Amazon Prime. Does it really? Yeah, I think it's because I can't. I watch like Can't Buy You Love and Teen Witch and you know all those kind of eighties movies. Interesting. Um, Cirque de Freak, the Vampire's Assistant. Yeah, I think see, this was Nicholas Cage. This one. No, this was this was um, John Riley. Stepbrothers. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, That's it was him. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I liked that movie. I thought it was good. But. Okay. Unpopular opinion. Twilight. What about it? It's terrible. It's on the terrible <laughs> list right Vampire where it Vampires should not sparkle. I'm sorry. You should not sparkle. I mean, it just... And, you know, based on a book that was probably one of the worst written books ever, it's just got nothing going for it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I'm, we're not a fan. And the worst part of it wasn't the vampires for me. It was the talking wolves. It's like, how do you take this seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, Vampire in Brooklyn. Eddie Murphy is a vampire? I couldn't even get all the way through this one. I'm not lying. I, I had such high hopes for it because it was Eddie Murphy, and I like Eddie Murphy. But, yeah, I was just I couldn't even finish it. Um, Van Helsing? Uh, you know, I again, it's, it's another one of those movies where I watched it because I liked the guy who was the lead. Wasn't that Hugh Jackman? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Kate Beckinsdale's second vampire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Underworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't which, mention Underworld, which is a really great movie. That throws the vampires good, and the yeah. lichens in there together, if you're, yeah. if you're a fan of werewolves. Okay. And they do, I guess, Cameron, in your opinion, they do they do wolves right, unlike Twilight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah much better. Um, okay, so this is one actually David threw out that I had never heard of. Court had heard of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, it was in 1957 and very interesting. Bela Lugosi is actually in it, but he'd actually died at this point. So it is footage they had where they pieced it together and there's a character named Vampira. And uh, I don't know, but it just apparently was very awful. Yeah, it was. it's, it's widely considered uh, one of the worst films of all time. I have not ever seen it. I have heard of it because it was featured, it was featured in a movie called Ed Wood which was a Johnny Depp film. Um, I think Tim Burton directed it. Uh, and, and it was about the director of Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, Ed Wood. So there you go. Okay, another one that keeps popping up on my, my Amazon Prime is Once Bitten, Jim Carrey. I love that movie. <laughs> I, it, and again, it, a lot of these... very young, like falls in love and gets bitten by a vampire. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, the key is with that one, the key is like... She has to bite him three times for him to become a full vampire. See, and every movie has different rules. Yeah. Like, can you go out in the sunlight? All of that. Like, I know it's, you know, True Blood, which I know that's not a movie, but True Blood and like Vampire Diaries, TV shows, movies, everybody has their own rules for vampires. And it's just, we all have to kind of somewhat agree which we like and what we don't. I'm going to admit a guilty little truth right now. What? I think I, I don't think I've mentioned this before. I'm actually re-watching Vampire Diaries right now. Because it's amazing. Well, I never got all the way through it Team the Damon. first time. I read the books and um, felt like the, the TV show wasn't going where I wanted it to based on the books. And so I, I just never finished it. But I'm intrigued by some of the stuff that I've heard about it. Um, it you, makes it on a lot of BuzzFeed lists for some reason. So Well, and you need to watch the originals because that came out after Vampire Diaries, but it's about the original vampires. And it's mm. all set in, again, New Orleans, my favorite. But I mean, if, if I was going to be a vampire, I'd go hang out in New Orleans. Mm. All right. So, last anyway. one on our list is Little Vampire. And it features... The boy from Jerry Maguire. Jonathan Lipnicki. The human head. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we have talked a long time about vampire movies. Yes. And now we're going to go on and talk about something that has actually nothing to do with vampires. We're going to get to the meat and potatoes. This week, the meat and potatoes is stocks. Okay. You've determined that you are thinking about buying stocks. You really need to understand what are you trying to accomplish. This is not that you're sitting at lunch with somebody and they say, oh, I have this stock and or this new one's going and you just decide on a whim to do it. Are you wanting growth or income? 
do you tend to want dull? I feel like a dating show. Do you tend to want dull and boring or exciting? What do you want in your life? <laughs> We're going to have one of those call lines, those yeah, late night call, call lines. Call me if you'd like to talk about what stocks we can invest <laughs> you in. <laughs> okay, sorry guys. A stock is an ownership in a company. So you look at a stock as a pure reflection on the personality of a company. So, I mean, really think about that. You are buying a stock in a company because you like that company. You like what it stands for. And you have, you know, you feel like you want to invest, be a part of that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really calling back to some of our earliest episodes here where we talk about you're actually, you own a piece of mm-hmm. a company when you own a, a share of stock. Yeah, there are so many different kinds of stocks out there, but really you can break it down between gross stocks and value stocks. And one of the components is something called dividends. And I'm not sure if we have really talked about this on the podcast, but I wanted to go ahead and say it. So if it's a jargon violation, I'm calling myself on it. But a dividend is a distribution of the company's earnings to a class of its shareholders determined by the board of directors. These are paid as a reward to investors for putting their money into this venture. Sure. I mean, Yeah. yeah, that's... That's, that's pretty much it. So when you're looking at growth and value stocks, a growth tends to have no dividends paid versus the value stocks tend to pay a dividend. Hmm. And again, I mean, that's that's not the rule. That's just most of the times we're, that's we're what it is. You, we're giving you a broad overview. Yes. <laughs> growth stocks are those companies that are considered to have the potential to outperform the overall market over time because of their future potentials. Growths are kind of a go big or go home Experience stock price, you're, you're going to have a lot of swings with the prices. It's going to go up and down. Usually, it tends to be better for a younger person or those that are willing to have a longer time. Longer time horizon. Time horizon basically being from the time that you purchase it till the time you're actually going to be able to sell it. Now, I would also say that you know if, if you've just got money to blow and you feel <laughs> like just taking a chance, then obviously, you know, you can do what you want. But in terms of an actual investment where you're going to see the return on your investment, those rules are pretty, pretty good, you know, sort of broad rules to apply. Oh, yeah. Um, Again, this is one of those, we're not saying that just because you've got a couple extra dollars in your pocket, go do this. It's, you know, it has to fit with your portfolio. This has to be the best decision for you and diversification for sure. Um, Value stocks are classified as companies that currently trade below what they are really worth and will thus provide a superior return. So the question on whether a growth or value stock investing strategy is better must be evaluated in the context of an individual investor's time horizon, the amount of volatility, and thus the risk they're willing to endure. Because value, you typically think bargain, but value has more limited upside potential and therefore can be a safer investment, but you got to really think about it. Um, you know, growth kind of more expensive when you think about the ups and downs and it is riskier, but value less expensive, less risky typically. And there is things that are blended. So yes, again, this is just examples of the different ones out there. But uh, Court, you kind of jumped the gun and mentioned blue chips earlier. Well, that was, again, that was what got this whole (laughs) stock, this whole idea for doing another stock episode started was somebody asked us what a blue chip stock was. And so tell us what it is. Just colloquially, it's 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 a huge company that's got a, a great, long-standing, excellent reputation. 
Uh, it's usually well established. It's financially sound. You're talking about companies like IBM, AT and T, 3M, uh, Johnson and Johnson, uh, Disney. Um, you know, they're, they're just they're sort of they're they're long time stalwarts of the the stock market basically kind of good solid companies that you think you know okay well ibm at&t at&t's been around forever it's not going to go anywhere they're solid ones well i mean okay so they they usually have survived a lot of challenges like for instance GE, it's it's a you know it's for a long time it was considered a very reliable stock. It was perceived as a reliable, uh, basically a safe investment, uh, and of course right now GE is struggling, mm-hmm. um, and so there's no there's never a guarantee. There there are there are safer investments, but there's no safe investment because even the, even these blue chip stocks can can have bad times can have yeah bad it's times. i mean an example i think about exxon mobile it's it's a blue chip stock but it's it's one that right now is not doing so hot necessarily but it's kind of one of those that exxon's been around for a long time and you would think it was a solid company yeah and uh some others that are struggling um gm boeing um, people yeah, you know yeah. all the stuff going on with boeing right now mm-hmm. caterpillar um so it's it's one of those that there's these solid, great companies, but there is proof that there are things that happen. Yeah. That not every it's again not everything is guaranteed. So this is not a this is not a scream for from us to you to stay away from these stocks or that they're bad. No. This is just again an admonition to vers- diversify your portfolio. Make sure that you've got stuff in there. So if one stock's taking a hit, another another stock might be up. Exactly. Um, Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Right. That's what it is. Diversify. Okay, so this next section, I really hope I don't get too into the weeds. So, court cam, call me out if we get too into it. But um, when you look at a stock, this is something that I was always curious about. You see on there what the stock is, what their symbol is, what it currently is trading on. So that's how much you could buy it for. But it also shows you where did it end the day before? Where did it close? And what is the range of the price that it's been for the past week, day, 52 weeks, all of that. It shows you that information and that's good for you to know, like, are you buying at the peak? Are you buying it cheap? What are you doing with that? And when you're purchasing a stock, you really need to think about, do you believe in the future of this company? Whether it's a growth or a value, what is your outlook, your personal outlook? What do you feel about this company? Because so much of investing is not what Cameron tells me, or the news tells me, or your financial advisor tells you, it's your, as David likes to say, the tummy factor. It's Mm -hmm. how do you personally feel about this? Are you going to be staying up all night worrying because you put this money into this stock? So that's something to really think about. But there is a tool called the PE ratio, the price to earnings. And this is the ratio for valuing a company that measures its current share price relative to its per share earnings, or you may see it as EPS. Okay. The price earning is also sometimes known as the price multiple or the earnings multiple. It's used by investors and analysts to determine the relative value of a company's share in an apples-to-apples comparison. It can also be used to compare a company against its own historical record or to compare against markets uh, again and again over time. A high price-earning ratio 
could mean, again, you see that everybody, like nothing is ever like, it does Definitely, mean. Yeah. Nothing is definite. Nothing is guaranteed. It could mean, so high price to earning ratio could mean that a company's stock is overvalued or else the investors are expecting high growth rates in the future. Companies that have no earnings or that are losing money do not have a price earnings ratio since there is nothing to put in the denominator. <laughs> There's two kinds of price earning ratios, forward and trailing are the ones mainly used in practicing. So another thing you may see is a P-E-T-T-M, which is a Wall Street acronym. You know, there, you know, wonder if we can call Wall Street and say jargon violation. Let's reduce it to letters <laughs> if we can. I mean, that's what they do. So this is a trailing 12 months. It signals the company's performance over the past 12 months. Okay, makes sense. And then you've got the P-E-10, which is the past 10 years. And you guessed it, the P-E-30 is 30 years earnings. So you've got this this data that's available to you, but a lot of it is very jargony that you don't know what it means. So that's why I wanted to kind of skim the surface and tell you a little bit about that. There's also the forward or leading price earnings, which which usually, I guess this is kind of like a, a, a crystal ball, like a fortune teller. You're using future earnings guidance rather than a trailing Sometimes called estimated price to earnings. Well, one of the big things that uh, that we are constantly admonished by our compliance department mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, you know we we always have to say uh, past earnings is not an indicator of, of future earnings. Yeah, you know, of future performance. That's that's a big key that you you will hear from us constantly. Is you know if you if you see something from us about a stock or something like that, and we discuss the the company's past earnings, then we have to disclaim that past earnings are not an indicator of future performance. Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't mean it. I mean, it's, I'm sure that, uh, you know, Lehman Brothers and GM and all them before the bankruptcy hit them, they all had great past earnings. And it's, it's, so you can't use the past. So these are just different tools where you really take all of it together. You see the price that's out there. You see the trailing price earnings, you see the forward price earnings, and then you figure out, does this fit with your goals? Does this fit with what you want to be doing? How long are you planning to invest? Are you a short-term or a long-term? Number one, are you using these funds correctly? Should you be doing this? Should you, you, be, should you even should, be should doing this? Should you be this? taking your money and putting it into stocks? <laughs> don't don't just blow your money on GameStop, everybody, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, are you okay with a stable or do you want the fluctuation? What are you wanting? Uh, I doubt very seriously anybody wants fluctuation. Are but you willing to are have you, yeah, are you tolerant risk of that reward. fluctuation? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember when we started out and uh, I said, you know, do you want to marry Steven Tyler or Fred Rogers? And yes. you're probably going, what are you talking about? I certainly was going, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, here we go. Do you want a life of rock and roll with ups and downs and, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll, whatever? Um, or maybe you want a more stable life. You know what you're getting with Fred Rogers. Like, he's your neighbor. He's, I mean, well, if you're marrying to me, hopefully he's not your neighbor. But that's just kind of a fun, campy little reference for you to think about of, You've got the lifestyle of rock and roll. You've got Fred Rogers. They're both solid people to marry. Give me Fred Rogers all day. <laughs> um, another way to put it, marry a banker, stable income, and you know that it's, you know, he's going to always go to work. He's going to bring home that income. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. Or do you marry the race car driver that is just trying to make it? He could not win any races at all and just crash and burn and it be a 
life of heartache, or he could really win the big race and bring home tons of money. Have you ever seen The Art of Racing in the Rain? No. Starring Milo Ventimiglia? I have not. Okay, well, he's he plays a race car driver who is, by all accounts, an extraordinarily talented race car driver who um, just never has his big break. And, mm. you know, it, it, so it, it reminds me a lot of that when you're talking about race car drivers. And, you know, you could have all the talent in the world, but unless unless you hit it right, you're not going to you're not going to necessarily succeed. Yeah. So kind of in this weird way, I'm sitting there saying that the rock star, the you know race car driver, all of that, that's kind of like your gross stocks. And the value is. Mr. Rogers, it's that banker with a stable income, because um, you're really looking at its predictability and gambling and trying to figure out which where your risk level is. It's that tummy factor we talked about. Yeah. Here's here's the third. I'm really trying to drill this into you guys. Here's another example. You know, think about a teacher. A teacher, for the most part, is always going to have a guaranteed income. They're going to always be. We're always going to need teachers, and it's not a big payout at all. But they're kind of rewarded in the end, hopefully, with a good pension plan, a good retirement plan, versus if you chose not to be a teacher with that kind of lifestyle, you chose to risk it all and go be a huge district attorney or something and try make it, or a criminal defense attorney, try and make it big. Uh, well, you know, you could have one real bad case and then never work again. So these are a lot of weird kind of different examples, but I'm hoping I'm, one of them sinks in and you look at it that way of the growth and the value of, do you marry Steven Tyler or do you marry Fred Rogers? Okay, so let's, I think you've <laughs> drilled it hard enough. Let, let, we, we, at the very beginning of this episode, we spent like 15 minutes talking about vam- vampires because we were going to be talking about fang stocks. And I don't even think we've told people what fang stocks are. Sink your teeth into the next section. <laughs> okay, so you use you probably use Fang on a daily basis. Even if you if you even if you didn't know it, you probably got some Fang. You probably you're probably doing something with Fang. <laughs> I I know I wrote that, but that just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> okay, let's explain what Fang is because I feel like we're just doing this whole episode of inside jokes, but really it is a term. That has been used for a while now. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an acronym. It's an acronym in the financial world. Fang, which is F A A N G, refers to the stocks of five prominent American tech companies: Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Alphabet. Wait, that should be a G. It's the stock formerly known as Google. Google, yes. <laughs> um. So. This term was actually coined by Jim Cramer, the CNBC's Mad Money host, back in 2013. He praised those companies for being totally dominant in their markets. And you know what? It used to be just F-A-N-G, but Apple had to join the party in 2017, adding that additional A. Yeah, and I just, I, I again, I know I said this off air, but um, I can't believe that it took Apple that long to become part of the thing. Um 2017 was 10 years after they had released the iPhone and they were doing well with with iTunes and the iPod but they just took off like a rocket when they released the iPhone and that was in 2007 10 years before they before they were considered one of these top fang tech stocks so 
I, I just, I, you know, I, I wonder what, what, what. It was probably, so, I mean, jumping ahead, like Apple was a huge industry disruptor, but so probably, I'm just guessing, I don't know the timeline exactly, but up until that point, they probably were still just kind of in the music and the phone. And then Apple has really monopolized so much of it. You sit there and think, I'm looking over and Cam and Cam's got an Apple watch on. He's holding an Apple phone. It's, you know, probably has Apple Play in his car. And it's just, Apple. you know, it. <laughs> Apple is everywhere now. And it's not just the phones. It really has branched out. No. Um, but all, I mean, these five companies, these five stocks have a, and these are older numbers, I'm sure, but have a combined market capitalization of nearly $5.6 trillion. Market capitalization just basically means for each company, it's their total shares outstanding times the price of the stock. So it's their their market cap is just basically if they have uh, a thousand shares outstanding and uh, each share is worth a uh, hundred dollars, then their market cap is a hundred thousand dollars. So nothing too complicated. So I mean, the term really, you know, as Jim created it, it's it's still used a lot today. And actually, I heard uh, David Pickler use the Fang stocks, and I was very curious because I had not heard of them. Obviously, I've heard of all of these individual stocks, but had not heard of them grouping together. So thought it would be great to explain it to you. But as we said, you know, Apple was a huge industry disruptor. Google has actually now a verb, if you think about it. Well, sure, yeah. You don't sit there and say, oh, I'm going to go search that. You're like, oh, I'll go, I'll go Google that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, who remembers the search engines before Google came around? I, I mean, yeah, you don't. But it's, it's kind of like you think back to... Um, I don't think Yahoo, uh, but people a lot of times don't, I mean, it's changed a little bit, but a lot of times people would say, oh, I'm going to go Xerox that instead of copy it. Yeah. Now that's kind of died out, but that's an example of an older company that probably was the prime of that time for sure. Well, nobody asks you to hand them a facial tissue. No, it's a Kleenex. They ask for a Kleenex. Yes. Nobody asks you for a cotton swab. They ask you for a... Q-tip. Q-tip. So, yeah. Uh, And Netflix. uh, Actually, it was the first internet-born media company. Started out mailing DVDs to your house and then switched to streaming. And now they're actually making their own... TV shows and movies and everything just keep staying relevant. They are definitely an entertainment company now. It's it's not just, you know, blockbuster through the mail. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Facebook, so many people use that. Some people use it way too much. Amazon is, again, it's, you know, shipping you all this stuff, especially during the pandemic. I'm sure their sales were through the roof with all the Prime shipments. But they've also gotten into the entertainment industry as well with Amazon Prime movies and streaming and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody earlier today about the fact that uh, Jeff Bezos' wife just gave away almost $2.7 billion to charities. To, to Like yesterday or today, she announced it. Um, sometime this past week. Uh, so it's probably something she's been working on for a while. 200 and some 297 charities total that received something from her. Um, she, she of course got her, got a, a large sum of, uh, of Amazon stock through her divorce from Jeff Bezos. And when she and he divorced, now I don't remember the exact numbers, so don't quote me on this, but just to, to give you, uh, to give you an idea, let's say that what she got in the divorce was enough Amazon shares to be worth $25 billion. 
Wow. Since then, she's given away to charities over the course of the past couple of years around $8 billion. But she's, she's, her, her net worth is up to somewhere in the 30s because Amazon stock, since she got divorced, has, has risen in, in, in price by like 70%. Yeah. And, you know, so, it, it, and this is, her divorce and everything took place basically right around the same time as the, as the pandemic. So my, my whole point is like, you, you can really see the effect that something like a pandemic has on one company negatively versus another company positively. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's crazy. It just blew my mind. Yeah. Another thing you may have heard actually is the S&P 500 and, you know, it's made up of 500 companies. Well, it's actually really S&P 495 plus FANG, because it's really, FANG makes up a huge portion of the S&P 500 Mm. because of these companies being such big. They're Uh, big time. They're the big ones. Big time. (laughs) Big dogs. I mean, all five companies have intangible assets that should make them more profitable than their rivals. But again, we've got to have that balance here. we got to put it in perspective. Think about Blockbuster. Blockbuster back in the day, that was... That wasn't you were going to the movie store. You were going to Blockbuster. Even if you went to your local movie rental place, it was kind of like Kleenex or Xerox. It was the name. I'm going to go to Blockbuster. And it had the monopoly on the rental movies. And so that stock used to be booming. And it was a solid company. Now, I've checked before this recording, it's to 0.01, which is just crazy. I know that was one of the ones that was big with the whole GameStop, all of that. There was a there was a great documentary on Netflix about the last blockbuster. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. But it's this is just tell you that these are great companies now, but think about some of those amazing companies that are gone and not as relevant, like Blackberry. Blackberry used to be everyone had a Blackberry and then quickly that kind of went away and now it's all Apple. Mm-hmm. So Yes, these are great companies now. Yes, they're great to be a part of. And if you believe in them, then yes, get you know get you some if you want it. But just know that things change. So you never know. Okay, picking the stocks. Anytime you play the individual stock game, you have to know fluctuation. Even when we've talked about the growth and the value, I feel like I'm beating this in everybody's heads. There is fluctuation whenever you play. And you've got to make sure that this money you have the best interest at heart of what you're doing with it, what your goals are. Do you need, are you okay with having fluctuation and letting it be there for a long time for the potential of down the road at having a big reward? Mm -hmm. Or do you need more of that kind of stable that you know what's going to be happening? Um, You know, most people, they can't make this a full-time job. They can't sit there and buy and sell and be a day trader because that's all consuming and so much our attention span are so short. That's why, you know, we try to make these podcasts as shorter as possible because we know we only have your attention for a little bit of time. So can you imagine just buying a stock because you're all in it? You're like, yes, I'm going to check this stock. I'm going to watch it, make sure it's all good. And then life happens and then you forget about it. And you thought you were going to, you know, get out of it real quick and take your profits. Well, you forgot about it. Mm. So you've got to make sure that you are diversifying, that you're being smart with your hard-earned money. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you're, you know, if I borrow money from court, <laughs> I can do what I want with it. <laughs> Just kidding. 
Yeah, you have to you have to make sure that you're you have a, a portfolio. You have to make sure that you are diversified, not just stocks, stocks and bonds. Not maybe not just individual stocks, but also some mutual funds. That's a future episode we're gonna have. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Um, yeah. but, but it, it's definitely it, emotions play so much into stocks, particularly. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you reach the point that you're talking to a financial advisor, then you really are opening up the idea of understanding the long-term and the short-term mm-hmm. and allocating your money appropriately. But what happens is a lot of people will buy into stocks as their first trial of investments. and I'm going to go buy GameStop. Yeah, and they get so emotional with it. And um, I, I'll actually give y'all a personal story uh, that happened to me about, I guess, six months or so. There was a new stock that uh, was launched, IPO'd, and then went public the day it went public, there was uh, a client of ours that it fit their portfolio to buy this stock, but there was so much buzz around all of us in the office going, oh my gosh, it's doing this, it's going up, it's going up. And I'm like, ah, this is exciting. I need this stock. And I had a little bit of extra money in my account and I was like, sure, I just sold out of some stuff that wasn't doing great. I'll buy that. So I bought it. I bought at the peak. I bought on the first day of trading for this stock in the middle of the pandemic for a company that really wasn't thriving during the pandemic. And I spent a good little while worrying and watching how it's dropped. And it's, I mean, it's dropped a little bit, but I knew that was money that I was gambling with. I bought emotionally because I got wrapped up in the excitement of buying for this client. And then I was like, oh yeah, I should buy this. I had a conversation with a very wise person the other day and uh, said, you know, I, what should I do? Should I get out? I'm losing money on it. And he said, do you still believe in this company? And I said, yeah, I think it's a great company. It's something I personally support. And I think it's something that's going to continue to do well. He said, then hold on. Mm. Hold on to the investment. And so I'm not going to tell you the name of the company, but it definitely is an example of how we all get wrapped up in the emotions. We... We bandwagon, we listen to our friends, we see what they do, but overall, you've got to look at what fits you and what's best for you and understanding if your personality can handle investing in individual stocks. Because it is, there's some, there's some emotion and heart throbbing going on with that. It's, yeah. (laughs) Everybody hears the great, fantastic story about how somebody that they're friend's brother's cousin knew, (laughs) uh, invested $1,000 in some company, and they are now worth $2 million or something like that. Okay, those are great stories, and they do happen once in a blue moon. But by the time you've heard that it happened, Mm -hmm. the chances of you repeating that with that same stock are probably pretty low. I mean, I'm never going to say it would never happen, but by the time people really started hearing about how crazy it was going with GameStop... The people that were going to make their fortune buying GameStop stock had already made their fortune. They they didn't buy it when it was at uh, $100 a share and no. sell it at $200 a share. They bought it at a dollar a share mm-hmm. and waited until it went up to $200 a share. So just, you know, remember that you don't buying something just because of the hype and the buzz that's going around it, especially if it's one of those stocks that you're hearing about just going absolutely crazy. That's not necessarily the reason you want to make a a decision like that because you probably already missed the boat before you could even, you know, before you even thought about getting on it. Okay, Court, I got to go to Bullseye because I'm like bursting at the seams to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, this is a great like 
wrapping it up thing, and I'm trying not to give it all away before the bullseye. Okay, well then, uh, let's let's by all means let's go to bullseye. Okay, so tell me, please, Katie, what is your bullseye? <laughs> okay, so my bullseye, it's a phrase we say in this office a lot, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market, meaning you're not sitting there trying to play this game of guessing when to buy, when to sell, because it usually ends up, you end up doing the wrong thing, and it's one of those, it's, just, it's a hot mess, and do not give yourself that stress. It is about understanding how you personally feel, that tummy factor. And I know it sounds silly, but it's, are you comfortable with what you're doing? Is it fitting what your overall goals are? And, you know, if it's something you want that long-term investment, but just know, are you willing to do, you know, the growth stock? Are you doing the value stock? Are you wanting to be with Steven Tyler or Fred Rogers? You figure that out. You figure out what fits for you. And it's also okay to go back to the drawing boards and be like, you know what? Times have changed. Something's happened in my life. I'm no longer going the Steven Tyler route. I'd rather go the Fred Rogers route. That's my bullseye. Oh, okay. There's your bullseye. So my bullseye is basically this. Consider what your goals are and consider what your risk tolerance is. What What is your personal ability to put up with losing money in exchange for the possibility of gaining money. You know, that's a really simplified way of saying it, but what is your risk tolerance and what are your goals? And if your goal is you're getting into investing your money because you want to see it grow or because you potentially want a source of income for yourself down the road, then that goal is not necessarily consistent with following every single fad for every single stock that gets hot for a second, but then burns out, you know, just as quickly as it, just as quickly as it came on the, you know, came on people's radar. Um, so just be aware that that this is this is not a short. It's like she said, it's it, it's not a short term game. You are looking for long term gain, and that's my bullseye. Well, Katie, there's the opening bell. Ladies and gentlemen. Closing bell. There's the closing bell. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you haven't ever listened to us before, but you're listening today and you liked what you heard, then please feel free to go over to your favorite subscription service and subscribe. That way, our voices can be beamed directly into your ears once a week, every Thursday. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about me and Katie, you can go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. And uh, there's some there's some places there where you can leave us a message, suggest a topic if you've got a topic you want to hear, um, or just read about us and then move on with your life. Um, if you'd like to see some pictures, Cam has posted some pictures of us on Instagram. That handle is at bullcastpodcast. And also, we frequently post words on Twitter. That handle is at bullcastpodcast as well. And finally... We have mentioned, although I'm not sure we mentioned it today, that we work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. Uh, that is the, the that is the wealth advisory firm that we work for. And if you would like to find out more about that firm, our amazing team, our amazing boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you everything that you need to go forth and prosper. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we out. <laughs>